0: To the Peach and Black podcast, your central place to hear unofficial news, reviews, trivia, and intelligent discussion on all things happening in the Prince world. Featuring
1: the hosts, MC. You know, it's got all those classic Prince elements.
0: Captain. Why wouldn't you just record as much as you could?
1: Oh, yeah. It's just like a story chest of ideas. Oh jam. Either version,
2: I love both versions.
3: Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Peach and Black Podcast. We are here back again to discuss more Prince music, and this time a very special show. Uh, We're doing something a little bit different. We're going to be reviewing songs off the 1998 released version of Crystal Ball. Ooh! Which, uh... (laughs) (laughs) Crystal Ball, the four CD set... Um, Obviously, the the three CDs worth of material on there were officially the Crystal Ball album, and the fourth CD was The Truth, which we have also discussed.
0: Oh, don't forget Kama Sutra, Disc 5. Well,
3: (laughs) you beat me to it. Um, But yeah, you know, the the main kind of crux of of the Crystal Ball, uh, the 1998 released version of Crystal Ball, were those three CDs, the discs that famously had the word bootleg printed into the um, (laughs) (laughs) CDs themselves. But what we're doing is...
2: Hang on, hang on. You mean this is actually officially released?
3: (laughs) I always thought that was a real bit. (laughs) MPG records all the way. I know it doesn't look like an official release
1: product, but (laughs) it was. Order yours today and get a free fiasco.
3: That's right. <laughs> <Extra cost. laughs> Luckily, they weren't giving away shirts in 1998.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wrong, wrong, really? wrong. Th- this they weren't even giving them the away in oh,
1: 2009 really? either.
0: Okay. This did <laughs> so come think- with a shirt and I've got it. Really? Uh, yeah. What does it say yeah. on it? I, f- I haven't seen it for a long time, but I think it says, I love safe sex on the back. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Mine says, um, I got bottles just... and you didn't. And on <laughs> the back says, Crystal Ball Fiasco. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I would have ordered it back then if I knew it was going to come with all this stuff.
1: Actually, when
2: you think about it, it's really amazing, really uh, greatly themed promotion. You know, it's just like a real bootleg release. You buy it and you never know if it's going to turn up. And, uh, <laughs> you just spend all this money and you're crossing your fingers, it turns up. Yeah. <laughs>
0: We can go. it's so well known as the crystal ball fiasco the whole thing was planned to be like that <laughs> <laughs> to be like a real bootleg ordering situation Ah, uh, classic
3: great stuff great <laughs> stuff in this intro to the seminal release and as i was saying earlier you know it's three discs worth of material three cd's worth and what we've done is because of the fact that the three cd's are it's not all over the place yeah exactly <laughs> it's not in chronological order It's, you know, 80s material to 90s material and back again.
0: Remixes.
3: Yeah, all all sorts of stuff, you know, in in this mix bag. So, what we've done for this first show is we've taken all of the material recorded in the 1980s. We've sequenced the material based on when it was recorded. So, we've put it all in chronological order and we're going to talk about that. So, for this show, it's 10 songs from memory. Uh, yep. And then the remainder of these songs we'll talk about in our Crystal Ball Part 2 review, uh, which will be coming out, um, you know, all good record stores near you, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, but for that now, e- we're here. Yep, sorry. That episode will be called Two Balls. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> you, have you have to rub it to see the future, too. <laughs> oh
3: gosh. Uh, I could see the future right now, I'm telling you.
0: Crystal Ball, you know, Volume 2. You get to vote for all the tracks that are on there, but it never gets released. That's how it works.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, let's get into the material. There's 10 songs and we start all the way back in 1983. But
0: first, why don't you introduce the hosts of the show? Oh, that's right.
3: I just assumed everyone, (laughs) 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 for all our long new listeners... (laughs) It's me, MC, introducing, of course, the Peach and Black panel, famous all around the world. It's ToeJam. Do you like environmental records?
0: (laughs) Captain. The penguin saw the cab driver and he drives away into space.
3: And while everyone's (laughs) left wondering what that was all about, (laughs) uh, player.
0: Go to Hades,
3: boy. (laughs) Well, that's not very nice. Uh, Like I said, it's MC and the place to be, and we're all here at the virtual roundtable. About color you the colour I wonder and...
0: if anyone is going to get that reference. It's. <laughs>
3: I have no idea what you're
0: talking I'll about. I'll explain Neither it when I. we
3: get to <laughs> it, but. Man. I hope so. Okay, so now that we're all officially here, we've all been introduced. Let's go into track number one on our version of Crystal Ball, Part One, Glorine Bacon Skin. Glory you're the ugliest
0: woman that I've ever seen.
3: Oh, wow, what a jam. I almost feel like we should, uh, instead of looking at our notes, maybe we should review this impromptu, I love the way it was recorded. Why don't we do that?
0: This song is just its just fat. It's just old and fat. <laughs> <laughs> it's a filthy jam.
1: Don't jam. Don't jam, put on your hat.
3: Very good, very good. Oh, this is a filthy jam, though, isn't it, guys? I mean, it is... Absolutely ridiculous. Talk all over me, gentlemen. Let's have a bit of a, a roundtable chat without anyone um, being oh, called shit, out to my speak. Head, my head fell off. <laughs> splash! All sorts of stuff, isn't it? I mean, this oh. is. What is this? This is like a 15 minute jam from the vaults, and it just goes on and on, and I never get tired of listening to it. It's
2: just Morris Day and Prince, isn't it? Morris Day on the drums, Prince on bass and
3: vocals. And that's it. A- a- and nastiness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean,. Uh, I just, I love listening to this because of all of the impromptu shout outs that Prince is obviously yelling out, but where this stuff is coming from, <laughs> where in his conscience is it, <laughs> conscience, I should say, yeah, all this stuff is is um, coming from is, is hard to say. I mean, there's so many classic calls in this song. Mm. I, I personally love the one where he, where he calls out Splash and then
0: do you want to open up your hat?
3: <laughs> yeah, that is <laughs> Go on, is... man,
0: go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the that thing. It's
3: just, he's
2: just directing Morris throughout it, you know. And there's one bit where he calls out to, uh, you know, a symbol on the one, and then, and Morris obviously doesn't hear or doesn't do it, and he's just like, oh, that's all right, and just keeps going.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the snap that bit. It, it, he's really hamming it up, isn't he? Like, uh, And what you guys said, he's calling it all these um, directions out, but they're not, I mean... So, Jam, you, you guys don't rehearse like this at band practice, do you? Or maybe <laughs> <laughs> uh, not this way. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a fairly unique way of yelling stuff out. I mean, uh, where he says, um, oh, "There's a classic one, especially towards the end, where he says, jump on your bell.'" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and um, uh, he's talking about putting on your hat and all that kind of stuff. But there, there's another, there's another few classic ones. They're, they're not coming in. They're not coming to my head at the moment. But it's just cracking up, cracking me up, and. Uh, What else can you say about this? Someone help me out here. I mean, it's just a funky, filthy jam with, um, you know, Prince plotting on the bass and Morris Day doing his best um, drum work, really. Which is, you know, pretty good drum work.
2: There's one bit at like, I think it's nine minutes to ten minutes around there, like, and, you know, that's where Morris is really just going hard and they're they're rumbling and doing all the fills and stuff. And I'm like, man, this is pretty good drumming. Like, I never really, you you don't associate Morris Day as being a drummer, but... A lot of the people you see interviewed say he's a really good drummer. It's like, well, I've never seen him, but if, if this is the an example of his drumming, it's pretty cool.
3: Yeah, and in addition to that, I w- I wonder I wonder if this was like a one off where they were just there and it was Prince's idea to say get on the drums, we'll just have some fun, you know, it just kind of happened. Yeah. Or or was was Morris still actually drumming in those days, you know, meaning rehearsing songs and, and playing on tracks, or was, or did he just come out of the woodwork and just and just drum on it because it is. It is, I mean, this is really, the drum work on this is what being in the pocket is all about. He just doesn't waver and I, for one, I can't believe that he doesn't crack up. Like, if I was drumming with Prince yelling out all that ridiculousness, you would, <laughs> surely you would lose time just because you were you were laughing yourself silly, right? I mean, this is just unbelievable. You know, the imagine man, it manages to keep the beat Morris does without actually cracking up and losing, losing his shit, so... Um, that's really funny to hear. And uh, what else? He's got blisters. <laughs> got some blisters. <laughs> <laughs> All sorts of stuff. Um, Alfred, who knows what it, what they're really talking about. Is it a Batman reference? Is he yelling out Alfred <laughs> because Morris Day is the butler Maybe. on the drums? Yeah. Who knows? But I, for one, finally figured out what and who P sounds like. Uh, I said P, I don't know why. I actually figured out who Prince sounds like. Does anyone else, does anyone else um, see any correlation between Prince's um, voice and, and his vocal uh, inflections? No? Who? Richard it's Pryor. Who what? Richard uh. Pryor. It's got to be. And the more you think about it, I, I don't know if you guys have heard Richard Pryor, both stand-up yeah. material and, you know, um, in film, but this is a complete Richard Pryor rip to be. And the commentary about chlorine bacon skin and obviously talking about a white female, also parallels Richard Pryor's life in a way because he married white women. He was married to a couple of white women, I think. And so, I just think if that's if that were true, that it adds a very interesting element to this to this track.
1: Prince and like, the band, like in rehearsals and stuff, would listen to comedy records like Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor. Uh, I've, okay. I've read stories like that. So, you know, maybe a bit of inspiration there. Who knows?
2: To me, he used that voice on a few songs, like I don't know, maybe five or six songs. And he's used that voice. And so, to me, it's like, oh, that's that Prince character, you know. He's like, he's got Camille, he's got, you know, Falsetto Prince,
3: and this is that Prince character.
2: He's got Camille, he's
3: got Falsetto Prince, and he's got Richard Pryor.
1: When when, when he uses that voice, I I imagine, like, because it's kind of like a Morris voice, so, like, I I assume that he uses the voice to demo stuff for Morris. Yeah. And then sends that to him to... There's like a guide track or whatever. And with that, moving on to
2: track... Oh, hang on, hang on. We can't leave <laughs> yeah. this track and, and not mention tricky. This
3: this is basically...
2: I haven't the...
0: even said my stuff yet.
3: Yeah. Oh, no. you say your stuff then. Didn't, didn't you get what I said at the beginning? Everyone just jump in and talk all over each other.
0: i am just sitting there waiting. Yeah, you <laughs> missed out, sure? Captain. You're too late. <laughs> 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 go, go ahead. Go, it's... Go, go ahead. put Put on
3: your hat, Captain.
0: <laughs> okay, first of all, this is the longest track on all of the Crystal Ball. Almost 16 minutes long. And Tojan was just about to say this. It's basically an outtake from the recording of Tricky, which was released as the B-side of Ice Cream Castles. I've Already said most of it. Prince on bass, Morris Day on the drums. I do like this track, but it's not a song I'm going to listen to a lot. You know, you're not going to listen to this every day. Maybe once every once a year is enough for me. And that's good. Some of the stuff Prince says is just hilarious, and some of it misses the mark a bit. But that's the beauty of live improvisation. Sometimes you come up with some gold and sometimes it's not. And then you keep the good stuff and you dump the rest. There is some very funky bass on this track. And even listening through speakers, you can't get it all. You have to have the headphones on and just listen to the bass. There's some parts. It's just, it's just sick, sick, sick things he's playing. It's great. But uh, I'm not going to talk about it forever.
2: That bassline's pretty much the precursor to irresistible bitch as well.
0: Yeah. It's very it's similar. That, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: I think it even says that in the liner notes actually. Mm. Uh,
0: now, many years ago, Toe Jam said, I don't remember when we were talking about it, but you said something like why would you include this 15 minute, 15 and a half minutes of this yeah. when you could have put at least four other like classic bootleg tracks yes. on there.
3: Yes.
2: And I still stand by that. Yeah. I mean, this is good, but on an album release Especially in those days where you had discs and you only had so much time on a disc. I would have preferred a, a, a few more full full of songs. But. Yeah, me too. But having said that, it's always a nice
3: rarity to have this sort of stuff.
0: I have said this many times and I will say this many more times. I would always rather have something released than not. That's all. Oh. Like Paradiso, coming soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway.
3: Okay. Uh, track number two. An Honest Man.
0: I want to be an honest man.
3: Take it away, Captain.
0: Oh, me. Okay, so we go from the longest track to the shortest track on this album. So this track was in the Under the Cherry Moon movie as an instrumental version, and here it's presented as an acapella version. There might be a normal, you know, both combined musical song version who knows recorded near the end of 1985 you can just add this to the list of amazing multi-track vocal performances and the only distracting thing about this of course is one of my pet hates it's just a background noise this would be the perfect example where you could really focus on how insanely amazing his vocals are but you've got this like playground Sound effects which, going yeah. through the going through the background and it just distracts me. I mean, it's a nice song. I like it when the big strings come in. Claire Fisher does his magic yet again. But I uh, well. I can I can skip this track just because that play that bloody the background noise just annoys me. It's not this song isn't a a must listen for me. That's it.
3: Yeah, I don't disagree with you. Um, actually, pretty much word for word, almost for what you said is is what I had on my review, Captain. Really, really awkward. <laughs> I think that's the first time it's happened, <laughs> but the only thing I add is it's a bit throwaway, like sure the nice layering on the vocals, the nice atmospherics, it's just a bit of a strange listen, I, I feel it doesn't belong on an album, it belongs more on a soundtrack to a film, which it was obviously inspired by and I'm, I was a bit surprised that he actually included this, but um, with that said,
1: play playoff. Yeah, this reminds me of the opening of For You, with all the acapella going on. Oh, yes. But the undoubted highlight is the Claire Fisher orchestra. But even then, it creeps up within the song towards the end, and it's just too short. It just suddenly ends. Um, I prefer the instrumental in Under the Cherry Moon. That, just as an instrumental, is the bomb. Like, I mean, as I can appreciate Prince laying his soul on the line lyrically, but the music on its own in the Claire Fisher and just Prince's piano playing is powerful enough for me. Give me that any day. I'm with you guys, with it being on this album, it's just a bit throwaway or... um It's just, yeah, it's just too short. It's just it's just kind of... It seems like it's an afterthought just sort of inserted in there.
0: It's just weird having such a track like Chlorine Bacon Skin on here, you know, 15 and a half minutes of just a jam. And then this track, a minute and 15 seconds long, you know, it's just... But a- that's,
2: that's sort of the whole... That's the Crystal Ball Project. Exactly. Like, in, exactly. It's just, these are sort of, sort of half-finished sketches that never quite made their albums, you know.
3: Mm. So,
0: that contrast, longest to shortest, that's indicative of this whole album and yeah. how it was compiled, it seems.
3: Pretty much, yeah. Toe Jam.
2: I don't, I, well, it, it, it's a one-minute song. There's not much to really say about a one-minute song. Like, uh, it's good for what it is. I don't mind the background noise. It gives it the sort of, you know, barbershop in, this, in the outdoors kind of feel. I don't know if, if there is actually Claire fisher strings. I think it might be synth strings on this one. Um, I'll have to have a re-listen, but in my head it's synth strings. But it might be like a combination of both. Yeah, it's it's, it's more like a poem, isn't it? It's not really a song. It's more of a poem, yeah. and in that sense, it's nice.
3: But yeah, it's more of a segue, isn't it? It, it sounds like a segue on this album, but it, uh, and where it's placed, but in the movie, I think it's actually featured in the movie, and and it's featured in an extended version or maybe in the in a fuller version. So. I think it's an instrumental, though. They, they don't sing the lyrics in Honest Man, but the, the music... It's, it's the beginning, isn't it? Is,
2: that? is it the, the beginning of the movie? Is that where uh, it is? Yeah,
3: it is. Yeah. yeah. Is yeah.
2: it so playing opening. on the piano?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. We're tricky throwing the napkins on the, you know, it's that part.
3: Hmm. I thought that was Venus, Venus de no. Milo. No? No. 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 Okay. okay. They're actually pretty similar to songs. Yeah. Interesting. Well, the, I mean, yeah, the, the, the orchestral stuff is... Fairly, um, a lot of the orchestral stuff actually now when you think about it Is in the same vein You know the, with the type of sounds that, that, that Claire was adding to Prince's sound But I digress Let's go into track number 3 uh, Still at the tail end of 1985 I believe And it is Sexual Suicide
0: Sexual Suicide
3: Alright, one fan in the house, we'll go straight to Captain on this.
0: Not so much. Anyway.
3: (laughs) (laughs) He just wanted to be first.
0: This is one of the classic bootleg Prince tracks from the 80s, so it was was an obvious inclusion on a set like this, which surprises me that he put it on, because usually if it was the obvious choice, he wouldn't put it on. It's a very funky track. The drum beat, I think, was created by Sheila E, but actually played by Prince on the recording. He got backing vocals, Susanna and Wendy, and the master, Eric Leeds, on a saxophone. It was recorded August 1985, and it's very similar sounds used to stuff in Girls and Boys, which was recorded only a few weeks before this. I love the funky little keyboard sound that just grooves along in the background during the verses, that's cool. It almost sounds like some sort of harp sound, that's cool. But out of all the classic 80s tracks he could have released, this is one I could have lived without. Like I said before, I'm grateful to have it, but if I could have chosen one track to drop for another one, it probably would have been this one. As good as this one is, there's, there's more classics to be heard. That's it. All right,
3: Toe Jam.
2: It's a pretty funky outtake. It's kind of the brother or sister of Girls and Boys and Love or Money. I think this is better than Love or Money. I think Love or Money is one of the weakest track from the 80s, I think. So this one would have been better on that B-side of whichever great really? song that was. Yeah, I've never been a fan of Love or Money.
0: Oh, it's not—it's not great, but it's not the weakest track of the '80s. Oh,
2: it, I'm not saying it's the weakest, but it's—it's—it's it's, it's one of the weakest. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway, uh, what do I like about the song, uh, obviously, the groove's just funky as the bass is popping and playing all over the place. Eric Leeds, layered saxes, baritones, and tenors—really uh, thick stuff. I like the way this, the sort of structure of the song—you know—the vocal does this da 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 da, and then the bass goes boo doo doo doo. And then um, the sax does, and then the vocal does something, and then you have that little girls and boys synth, and the girls and boys synth always wah, does something wah, different wah, at the wah. end. Yeah. So it's like you've got that order that happens, but then at the end, the, the little girls and boys synth does something different every time. So cool little structure thing going on. At 1 minute 45, it goes to the bridge, goes to a major key, very James Brown-like. 2 minutes 12, that other sax line comes in, that sort of long one. That probably goes on a bit too long, kind of gets a bit annoying. But then I love the last 30 seconds of this song. The song kind of stops, and then it restarts again, and Eric Leeds is just going all over yeah, the place, crazy sack stuff, and, and Prince says something like, you know, someone flip me over, and it's like, man, this would have been such a cool thing to put at the end of a record, like an LP, you know, the last 30 seconds before you've got to change sides, you know. Yeah. Um, that's funky, that little bit at the end. So, yeah, it's a real classic 86, 85, 86-sounding 86 Prince funk jam. Sort of Madhouse-ish.
3: Yeah, it's funky. Cool, cool. Play up. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I agree. This is cool and funky and totally fits in with the other 86 stuff like girls and boys and all that. But the way the drums are recorded totally ruins this whole song for me. They're really reverby and kind of distant and it's mixed way too much to the left. Like it just, I don't know, it just affects the groove for me. Um, the horns are really nice, the flourishes are really jazzy, and the high pitched recording of the guitar straight level money like you guys have said. But all in all, this is pretty throwaway for me too. It doesn't do it for me, at all, as an instrumental on maybe under the cherry moon in the movie, that's fine. But I'm I'm with Captain on this. There's nothing really memorable here for this for this track for me. But I do I do I do agree with Jam um, about the structure and the way it's sort of formed. That's pretty cool. But I, I just it's it's the drums that kill me.
2: Is it in the movie anyway?
1: I don't think I don't, so. I don't like,
2: not or, even like a background bit or something. No,
0: nah, I don't think so. I, I
2: can't remember. Yeah. But yeah, because I, mean, I reckon if because "Love or Money" is in the movie and yeah, that definitely. fits the scene in the movie, which is a shame because this is a better song. But "Love or Money" gets released and this one gets the bootleg treatment. <laughs> anyway, it got released eventually, so what, what am I complaining about?
0: I mean, this is a fully you know formed track. It's it's done. It's completed. It's not like a half a demo thing. So you know, and once it's done, he'd want to release it. It took a long time for this one to get out but it eventually got out. But, yeah, there's still other songs I would rather have heard than this one.
1: <laughs>
3: I just can't believe what I've been listening to for the past five minutes. <laughs> How
0: much do you love this song? Come on, bring oh, it home. Come on, come it on home.
3: guys. Okay, what are you talking about? I like the song. Yeah, let me <laughs> down. This is funk personified. Unreal track. The bass and horn work is insanely funky. I mean, wowzers. I love the tight drumming. During this era, he was using those really or recording really claspy sounding, bright sounding snare drums, uh, and doing all sorts of stuff. Like, Player, when you mentioned, oh, the, like the, the, the weird effects on the drums bother you. To me, that's, they make it more vibrant. Like, I just love listening to that kind of stuff. They could have mixed it up a lot better one. though. No, I love it. I'm, I'm a big fan of this. I, I was don't,
1: don't it annoys you when you when you listen to it on headphones?
3: No, I was going to say the opposite. <laughs> I was just listening oh, on headphones man. before this review and I thought the production on this was so crisp and so... Um, yeah, no, like
1: every other element, yeah, it's there. But the drums, it's just... Because you've got the hi-hat on the right and then you've got the, all the snare on the, the sna- left. The
3: snares on the left, yeah. Yeah. But no, I, I love that because it kind of breaks it. The thing that I love the most about this track is something, to t- uh, something that ToeJam alluded to about all these different um, alternating lines of melody. So, he's got different melody lines coming in at different times throughout the track that seemingly have nothing to do with each other but somehow they work and it's this discombobulating type funk that, that I love to listen to most when Prince really gets it right and man, does he get it right this time. Leeds is a monster on the horns. Th- this is so funky that it's beyond description though. So, I'm just going to leave it right there because th- you, ca- you can't describe, <laughs> you can't do justice to this sort of funk and up until very recently, very, very recently, meaning- A few weeks ago, (laughs) I slept on this track criminally, pardon the pun, but- and sexual suicide obviously is about monogamy and being celibate and all that kind of stuff. So, when you think of what he's singing about and you add the really- the tense nature of the arrangements, it's almost splitting at the seams, this song. This is wonderful and one of the most underrated funk songs of Prince's discography in the 80s, I think, for me. I love it. I love it. (laughs) This whole crystal ball project—I mean, there is
2: some really great material on uh, here—but it's very, it's very easy to forget about it because it's just on these discs of these random songs. Yeah, it's unfortunate, isn't it? Anyway, like Captain said, better to be released than not released.
3: Very true. And now I'm getting really, really excited, guys. I'm rubbing my hands together, (laughs) uh, and my heart's, my heart's beating uh, fairly quick at the moment as we go into track number four. It is the title track of the whole three disc, four disc, five disc set, whatever you want to call it. It is, of course, the song Crystal Ball.
0: Pause uh-huh. for effect.
3: Pause for effect, and 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 pause for. This song, this song deserves a minute silence. Seriously. It does, and we're not going to give it a minute. But we'll, we'll give it. We'll give it another five seconds. <coughs> Very. <good. laughs> it really does. Uh, I'm going to leave my thoughts aside for now. Let's open up with uh, players' thoughts on the song "Crystal Ball."
1: Oh wow! How to encapsulate this song into words? I think if there's just one word for this song, it's epic. There's just so much going on in this track, and you can almost pinpoint the period where it's created. It's got the heavy parade sound, so it's come off the back of that, and it's intended for sign of the times or really crystal ball which became so in time so you can see prince's place in it for there and plus you got the whole camille thing that was developing sort of all comes together and brews here you know you have claire fisher you have wendy and lisa there's all these key changes temper changes solos section changes you got everything in this track thematically you got the prince themes that prince has explored previously around the 1999 album you know this idea of making love whilst Hate and bombs are going on around you. It almost puts the listener in a trance, and I think the music depicts that quite well. Whilst you have the like the musical elements with the sirens and whatnot going on, you have the consistent calming voice of Prince coming through on the track. Like his voice is sort of very calm through it, and you have got the sirens and everything. So I think that works quite well. I think from a fan's perspective, it's a fascinating listen. The fact that it's so freeform, and I don't want to use the word experimental because we know. Perhaps listens to this show, and of course, in his 1990 interview with Rolling Stone magazine, he said he hated that word "experiment," but you know, it kind of has that Zappa-esque experimental vibe going for it. He's but gonna I think,
0: hate, he's going to hate the Truth Review. Then we say that about 50 <laughs> times. <laughs>
1: but I think the majority of fans like seeing the rawness of a track like this, and it shows. Like it rated number 59 in our Greatest Prince Songs of All Time, so it's a top wow. 50 song that it's is a tragedy a, just just a masterpiece
2: that's 59 59? 59 59? seriously no, 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 40, a tra- 49 49 that's still a tragedy
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah crystal ball is cool cool song next Toe jam tell us why it's a tragedy
2: i think this has to be this is definitely in my top 3 and on any given moment could be my top song Wow. Uh, it's brilliant it's it's uh, i'm going to use the word experimental but i am just cuz it's so different from Anything he's done, and maybe joint to joint was the closest in terms of yep. him trying to go back and do that sort of big epic changing song where everything's going on all over the place. Wow, where to begin? Uh, okay, so you got this big kick drum that just you know is insistent at in the beginning, just but he's got this mysterious sound effects, the city noise, these weird flutes going on. This the arranging in this song with all the additional instruments is phenomenal. Uh, so much percussion going on throughout it. There's woodblocks, there's shakers, there's chimes, there's timbales, there's everything. I love the the sort of that meow sound. It's sort of done with a guitar and a synth, that meow, meow, just all, almost all the way through the whole song, and it becomes more synthesized as the song goes on. I love the way the snare comes in at 2 minutes 45, you know, because before that there's basically no snare, and then the snare comes in hard on 2 and 4, brings the groove in. The scratch guitar, awesome chord voicing. At 3.07 comes in. So the whole first three minutes is this this big slow build, and you know, wow, this is going somewhere. Uh, The synth bass comes in, sort of doing like a sign of the times, really simple riff, and you've got that really interesting lyric about you know when he's praying, Dear Jesus, uh, can you hear us? It's hard to tell, and then that's when the song really takes off. Uh, The beat really comes in, a big splash cymbal, very interesting lyric as well. And at 4.18, his vocals start getting real heavy. You know, he starts, I want to say screaming, but real more forceful vocals, and it's when he's singing about drawing sex on the walls and in graphic detail. And at that song, there's just so much going on. The strings are going off. There's this weird sort of seesaw, strings just going up and down, just real dreamy at that point. Uh, At five minutes, the groove changes. The marimba comes in playing. Again, so much happening. Goes to sort of a major key. 5.30, you've got these hits and these big drum fills going on. The groove comes in at 5.40, and this is sort of the instrumental section where he's like, you know, drummer, drummer, and the drums are doing a solo. Listen to the bass man bassman comes in and does a wicked solo and um at that point I'm you know I'm ready to burst and then he does <laughs> the, <laughs> he does the, the bit where it, after the solo it drops and it's like this bit where the vocals go all right expert lover my baby is all, and at that point I mean I ha- <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs>
2: at that point seriously I am having a mus- musical orgasm at that <laughs> <bit>. <laughs> that's, that's- I can remember the first time I heard that and just having like this moment of like, Oh my God, that is the funkiest thing I've ever heard. And it still hits me to this day, that bit. Great. Guitar solo, clean guitar solo comes in. Awesome. Seven minutes thirty. It's this big scary bit, almost like a Chucky horror movie scene. You know, da 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 da. Mathematical gas. Is that what it is? Mathematical? Yeah. Yep. I, I don't know. Mathematical gas. Who knows what that is? Yeah. And then eight minutes and eight, to eight minutes thirty six. You've got that siren just building really in one side of the speaker, I think. Drum solo going off, big massive hits, and he's a like sounds like he's about to burst. And then you get this big breakdown, and you hear the woman say, I don't know, I have to ask my mommy first. I mean, come on, this is this is this has <laughs> got to be the, the greatest Prince track ever. I think it's got to be up there, it's up it's, it's got to be my top three. It has to be amazing track. It's just got said it a million times. It has everything, but not only does it have everything, but everything seems to make sense in the song. Mm. It all adds to this craziness, adds to this dream feel, adds to the chaos. Unbelievable.
3: Wow, what an epic review. (laughs) Captain, what are your thoughts on Crystal Ball? Well,
0: Toy Jam just read, like, everything I've got written on my screen right now.
3: (laughs) And I just have to say, when you say that, for all of our listeners, we do not collude. We don't uh, get together to discuss notes before we record. Everything that we hear is as you guys hear it, so (laughs) none of this is scripted.
0: Okay, I'm going to read this. Uh, where again where to start it's just an epic monster track and it's i say this is one of the highlights of his entire career Hmm. and the saddest thing is it's relegated to an obscure out-of-print release like crystal ball it's It's sad it's sad that most people will never hear this track It, it is it is unbelievable you've got claire fisher and these orchestra it's just an insane track. I'm not going to read everything because I won't say everything because Toad Jam already said most of it. I really like the turn around just before five minutes, and it goes into a much more like it's a major. It goes, it's much more Dream Factory like sound. And then the vocals come back in to this totally different backing music. And then 550, you kick back into the original groove, different snare. It just sounds so good. And Toad Jam already said all this. Then you got the drum solo bits, and then the bass solo bits, and and then the, all right, expert lover, oh, that is just insane. Then the guitar solo, and it's just epic, and then you get the scary bit, and touch has to word for word everything <laughs> I've said. <laughs> you got the big scary bit, and then the orchestra comes in, and the mathematical gas, is <laughs> exactly what he said. <laughs> to quote someone we all have probably seen from a certain forum, this track is a masterpiece (laughs) and that is without a doubt no exaggeration at all very good i'm a big fan of extended pieces of music and ten and a half minutes this one is pretty damn good i just love where they can go where you can take where they take it and i think prince has at least an hour long piece of music in him somewhere whether it's just instrumental or it's got vocals as well either way i hope we see it in the next few years Ever since I first heard Amarok by Mike Oldfield, back in maybe 1992 or so, it has held the place of best album ever for me, and nothing has touched it since, in 21 years. Anyone who's heard that album knows it will change your life, and I can imagine Prince doing an album like this, and it will seriously wipe anything he has ever done off the map. I cannot wait. No, no hints there at all. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Maybe he's already made it. It could have been in the vault for the last 20 years. Who knows? (laughs) <laughs> like he loves to say, maybe we're just not ready yet. <laughs> That's it.
1: Yeah, it, it's sitting on the shelf next to the Dougie Fresh remixes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs>
3: well, wow, you guys are really, really uh, bringing it tonight with, with your reviews. I'm loving it. Uh, really loving it. <laughs> My review starts with a question. And the question is this. Is Crystal Ball the greatest piece of music that Prince has ever recorded It's up there Is it the greatest single piece on wax? I mean, just the bit from about 5.50 to 6.50 Yep That minute from about 5.50 50 to 6.50 And even to 7.50 Yeah <laughs> um, Let's just say from 5.50 onwards
0: <laughs> To the end
3: <laughs> To the end um, But specifically the the, the the first kind of minute or two from From about the 5 minute 50 second mark Is quite possibly the funkiest piece of music ever, by anyone. (laughs) It's so nuts. When Tojan was talking about those- that breakdown bit where he um, calls out, you know, the- this is what the- from the- this is what the bass says. That is so redonkulous. It's not even (laughs) funny. Like the- just everything, everything, everything from the bass part, from the way that that bass sounds- to the oh, stuff sound, the sound, going, the sound oh. of
0: that bass is just. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. I can't like, even do it. You can hear like the vibrato on it. It's just, ah, oh, oh.
3: it's unreal. And everything that comes afterwards, it's like the song is it's it is exploding as it's expanding mm-hmm. um, from that point of you know in the track onwards. And it's it's, it's a musical big bang. Oh, to, yeah, it is. It is. It is. That's yeah, it. yeah. It's it's it is. It really is. And it's atomic. It's dynamic. It's explosive, like I said, but let's go back to the beginning. You know, it opens with pan flutes or what sounds similar to the, to, to those sorts of sounds. You've got space sounds. You've got jazz fusion type keys. You've got orchestration over a kick, eerie kick drum beat. You've got people talking about how love will save us all, how the apocalypse is coming. You've got timpanis and all sorts of weird percussive effects mixed in with this electro-programmed bass and then a real bass on top of it and lyrics that are going all over the shop talking about little babies in makeup and criminal activity and apocalyptic nightmares and ambulances and screams and yells and this monotone (laughs) drone of a vocal delivery from Prince to begin with until he starts screaming. It's got chicken grease. It's got smooth rhythm guitar. It's got solos. It's got eerie synth keyboards. It's got atmospheric keyboards. It's got unbelievable arrangement. It's got screaming from Prince.
0: Vocals. uh.
3: Streaming vocals that absolutely hit the ceiling. It's got bass notes, Uh, 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 bass notes um, performed vocally by him. I mean, it's got absolutely everything. It oozes atmosphere. It reeks of just a slather of funk. Uh, it is, as someone else has already said, a masterpiece. Probably the biggest wow mo- moment I've ever had uh, listening to a Prince composition. And the crazy thing about this is, aside from some background vocals and Claire Fisher and the orchestra's uh, uh, strings that were added w- at the end of, of this piece, this is a one-man band performance. It's all I- I'll say it again. Crystal Ball is th- is virtually the work of one
1: guy. Ridiculous.
0: The, the biggest crime is that this sat in the vault for twelve years. Yeah, that's that unforgivable.
1: Is- <laughs> Prince is mailing this review to Warner Brothers as we speak.
0: <laughs> yeah, so. just
1: just with the note I told you so. <laughs> but but really, is there anything no, more? Epic- they were the ones that knocked, kept knocking him back. <laughs>
3: Probably yeah. wait, wait.
1: did they knock him back? The fact that he wanted to release Crystal Ball and it was just too many. I think it was too much material. Yeah. Too much material. Crystal not the, not the song three. itself, right?
0: Yeah. I don't think the song specifically, but Crystal Ball is going to be three discs, three right. LP, and they just said that's too much, too big. So it, when he cut too it,
1: too cut too it good. down, and when he cut it down, it just didn't make the cut.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was his choice.
1: Right, but so he's it's hit not on
0: the sign. Onto sign. Right.
1: He sure showed them with emancipation. <laughs> <laughs> but, but
3: but seriously, guys, it's like you've got this orchestra, and then and, and it's not just a token; they're not just token orchestral elements. That they really add things and to the song, and probably the the most surprising orchestral element in this track. And I say surprising because you really have to listen closely to this. Is for anyone out there, next time you listen to Crystal Ball, make a note for yourself to watch out for the addition of these swaying strings from the 3 minute 55 second mark. They the, the vo- basically added into the track, they're overdubbed obviously, but they start to swell and expand and they're mixed in really cleverly because they're kind of um, crossfaded in and the volume increases as they're mixed in and it's such a propulsive use of strings in, in that track. And then it really just takes it into overdrive. Yes. On that,
2: I mean, like, this is the kind of song where not only is it demonstrating Prince's genius, it's it's demonstrating Claire Fisher's as well. Because the orchestral stuff in this is amazing. Oh, for sure. Like, there's all these, like, French horns and I think it's like, some clarinets and stuff in there playing, like, these little jally, jazzy lines. Even with, with Prince's stuff, there's everything happening. Even with Claire Fisher's stuff in there, there's everything happening. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, MC, just before when you said... Oh, the orchestral stuff that really adds something. It's not just, you know, your standard crap. Claire Fisher doesn't do that standard stuff. He yeah, only that's does true. really yeah. good stuff that does <laughs> add something. Otherwise, you wouldn't even put it in.
3: Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Uh, and it's all it's it's there in full glory, isn't it? And, and, and let's just top it all off by saying this is a song about, you know, the typical theme of the time was, you know, make love, not war. You know, war's not worth it. Uh, and that's what he talks about. The only thing that matters, baby, is the love oh, we make we tonight.
0: Make tonight yeah. So the love we make.
3: There you go. But but she has to ask her mummy first. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she's got to put <laughs> yeah. her jammies on.
3: The notion of making love during the apocalypse. So and, and while she's saying that, the music's terrible. going doo, 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 like, oh no, really? It's, are you sure? <laughs> it's 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 remarkable. Uh, I think we're all in agreement. Uh, with that, let's hop into the next track on um, this incredibly entertaining review, <laughs> track number five, it's Last Heart.
0: Break. No, no, it's If You Break My Heart One More Time.
3: Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever it's called, I'll go with, I'll go with uh, Last Heart. Uh, and we'll take it to Toe Jam.
2: This is a good little pop song. Uh Drums, the drums sound very much like Love or Money, the way they were recorded. The horns, nice reverb on the horns, nice little poppy little lines. I think there's two basses going on, plus there's like a sped-up guitar, so lots happening in the left and right speakers with that stuff. It's got a nice big classic 80s Eric Leeds solo, starts with a big squeal, classic tenor sax sort of stuff. The background vocals, are, I think, are probably the highlight. Uh really has that sort of 60s vocal group thing. Uh, and the last minute, it's, he sort of says the diverse lyrics, but it's like, he speaks it, so it's like a poem, at the last minute while all the music's going on. Uh, so it's a good little pop song. I can, I mean, it's not the greatest thing ever. It might have been a good song to give away to an associated artist, um, but I guess it's just one of those songs that just sort of stayed in the vault, and he felt this was a nice place for it, which I can't disagree. So, yeah, it's a good little pop song. All right, Captain.
0: This is another one of those, you know, most bootleg tracks. From the '80s, I like how it just goes bam, just straight into the main groove. Don't waste any time with intros or any of that stuff. Just straight into it. Just blow your face off. It's great. There's some really funky sounds in this song, which remind me of La 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 He He Hey with the, like the sped up guitar and the the bass parts for a one, which makes sense because he recorded it the same week, so that's that's what he was doing that week. Uh, you've got Eric Leeds on the saxes again. It's just yeah, like Turgem said, it's a it's a pop song and whether he thought it wasn't good enough to release himself or it just got cut for some other reason, who knows, it's, it's not great. Oh, but I don't want to end on a downer like that.
3: <laughs> don't worry, Player will pick it up, I'm sure.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs>
0: Yeah, this is a cool little track, but to me it reeks of B-side. That's yeah. not a bad thing
1: considering the quality of his B-side output. Yeah, it should have been a
0: B-side. What was he doing?
1: The sax solo is very sexy, and the guitar notes ring out nicely all the way through. I don't really listen to the song much, but when it comes on, it's quite enjoyable. But like a lot of the tracks on this disc, it has a really abrupt ending. But yeah, it's, it's, it's cool, but I think I'm in agreement that you guys, you, you've summed it up pretty similar.
3: Well, the, the interesting thing as well is, I think Captain mentioned it was recorded as a demo and never completed, but it doesn't sound like a demo, and it doesn't sound like it needs anything else. You know, it's a nice snappy little three-minute pop song. I think it does stand up on its own for what it is. You know, I always think of this as, as a showcase for bass thumping and guitar leaks. Hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, it's got uh, a kind of romantic sax and I say romantic, but it's really, it's, it's quite a not depressing song, but it's certainly like a, a bit gloomy, you know. It's, not a, it's about, not a happy song. No. <laughs> 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 he's, talking, he's talking about or oh, singing about heartbreak and pain and rejection, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, musically, it's, it's quite energetic, especially the, the drum programming. Oh, I'm surprised that no one's mentioned that. Maybe it's just me, but I think that the drum programming on this is almost on par with the, the kind of drums programmed on, on a track like Ballad of Dorothy Parker. I think it's very, very clever uh, and it's incredibly percussive considering that, it, you know, it's, <laughs> there's not a lot to the track other than the beat. And the melody line, so it's really the beat that, that keeps it going, and I think he, he's constructed it really well. But yeah, nothing, nothing um, groundbreaking, and it doesn't have to be. It's a, it's a cool little song, and uh, uh, yeah, like I say, I mean the the, the lyrics as well, they're, they're they're sincere, they're straight to the point. So I think that also—it's just a nice little song, really. You know,
0: a player said it. This this should have been a B-side, possibly. Would have been—it would have just blown people away as a B-side.
3: Yeah, it it um, almost—it reminds me of what do you want me to do? Of musicology, for some reason, just musically speaking, elements. Oh
0: yeah, I can hear that.
3: Yeah, it's a similar sort of synth sound, isn't it? Mm. And uh, with that, let's go to track number six. It's make your mama happy. Any fans in the house? Did I hear Sly Stone in the background?
1: <laughs> no, definitely.
3: Let's go play up.
1: That was my first point. This sounds straight Sly and the Family Stone with a dash of James Brown groove. I would have liked to have seen him do this live with Larry during the Rave Era, you know, live. It would have fit right into that period. I guess the scene that makes it uniquely Princey is the finger symbols. But again, it's just a groove of a song. Once the lyric part of the song is over, it just jams out until the end, which is cool. It doesn't make me want to hit skip it at the same time as it doesn't want, me, want to make me hit repeat either, so... Yeah. yeah it's, just, it's just a cool, cool song. That's sort of based, yeah, straight sly.
0: Captain. I recorded August 1986. Now, this seems to be a throwaway track to me, but having said that, it's a great throwaway track. Whether it was enough, you know, whether the ideas he had for this track were enough to warrant an entire song, I'm not sure, but... Again I'll say it I'd rather have it than not been released at all. It's a very funky groove. I mean just listen to from 2:04 pretty much to the end of the track. It's just all instrumental. Uh you've just got a bunch of random samples and keyboard sounds thrown in which he was really into at the time which are on a few of these other tracks and on there's some uh, some sounds you'll hear on the Madhouse album as well. And Eric Eric Leeds sax coming in helps out with making me think of Madhouse. Now the Sly Stone reference which is sort of sad, but you've got the verses. I like how in the verses he uses a different voice each line, and that's cool, and again, it's the same thing Prince did in 1999 and a few other tracks, and originally by Sly back in the day as well. And But I hate to say it, but out of all the tracks on this album, well, from the, from this, the 80s section that we're doing, this and An Honest Man are probably the two the skippable tracks for me. That's it. I'm, I'm not
3: quite quite as harsh on this. Uh, I, I don't see much of a Sly Stone reference, really. I mean, you know, I've, I've read the liner notes and I know that they recorded or he recorded this after listening to Fresh, but by Sly, but I don't really see an overt reference or an overt influence other than the fact that it's impossibly funky music.
0: The vocal it's, lines.
3: Yeah, yeah, I guess so. But, you know, he, he would sing it lower. Yeah. <laughs> I think, but it, it is impossibly funky. It's too much funk in my mind. I mean, the bass is nuts. The drums are tight. The percussions and synths round out the sound and give it a really whole whole sounding feel. This just the rhythms are so syncopated. Horn stabs, incredibly tight, and uh, you know, just really a cool little song about achieving things. You know, it's a it's a positive number, really. It's uplifting and it's it's about getting an education, make your mama happy. You know, touch the sky. I have a good time listening to this track, and I think it's incredibly funky on, on the level of sexual suicide, and those two songs go really well together, mm. sonically, I think. But with that, we're going to take it to Toe Jam to round that review out. This review out.
2: Um, yeah, I'm pretty much in agreement. It's it's a real snappy kind of song, very staccato, uh, skippy kind of drums, finger cymbals, nice little pickup from player there. Yeah, it's, it's I agree. It's got that Sly Stone sort of thing going on, uh, major key bridge, very classic. It's got that you got the look synth thing going on in the background. This sort of two notes going back and forth. It sort of gives it a dreamy feel. But it's weird in the sense that the song really finishes at two minutes and then it basically just plays the song through again, instrumental. Mm. And I'd love to listen through it again to actually see, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's just exactly the same as hmm. the first time through, but just without any vocals. So I think that's what's going on there. Which is kind of nice, I guess, but also sort of unnecessary in the song. Yeah, so I don't really have much more to say about it. It's, it's funky for what it is. It's got that madhouse... Thing you could almost chop those last two minutes off, actually, and put it on a Madhouse album, and it it'd, it'd yeah. fit perfectly. So yeah, so he was trying to make his mama happy. He's made me happy with this little
3: snappy, funky song. <laughs> very nice, very sweet. Track number seven, we go into the song called Dream Factory. This is what it's And this, of course, has many implications. The words Dream Factory for Prince fans, especially hardcore Prince fans all around the world. We're not going to talk about anything else other than the song. So uh, let's go straight into it. Dream Factory it is. Uh, Captain.
0: Oh, me. Another late 1985 track. Man, he was just on fire around this time. This track is just a bit too manic for me. Chorus just seems very shouty to me. And the snare drum just smashing along at the same time. Uh, it's just a bit too much for me. I don't mind the track overall, but the, the shouting chorus just grates on me a bit. The Melody of the verses, it's creative. And it's something he was very good at around this era was making those melodic verses. And I can hear at least three you know, distinct vocals during the verses. There could be more. There's a bass, there's a falsetto, there's the Camille one. And some, his normal voice is in there as well sometimes. And there's a weird effect on his voice, I noticed as well sometimes but you know it's, it's a pretty short track yeah it's a bit shouty for me does that make sense yeah it's, I, know it's what
3: mi- it's, I don't think it's mixed very well you know like we've spoken about how yeah. a lot of the recordings of the last few years or the last 15-20 years in pop music they kind of redline it
0: Oh, wait till we get to the conclusion at the end. There'll (laughs) be a fair bit
3: about that. Yeah, I don't know if it's the mix or the mastering. Yeah, yeah, that's right, Tejim. I think they master it poorly. So this one doesn't seem to be mastered very well. So that's all I'll say on that. Uh, Dream Factory. There's really no way to describe this music. I agree with you, Captain. He's on a roll... At this point. Is just churning them out. And churning some of the most creative pop music. If you can even call it pop. I mean this is mind blowing funk as well. You know. It's just a dream. It's just a dream. I, I don't know how you can possibly describe this track. It's got an incredible coda from 237 till the end of the track. So really the last 30 seconds. It's just a cool echo on the drums. The last few seconds of this track can, contain an insane bass run by Prince. Mm. And it's buried really deep within the mix so if you're listening on headphones you'll hear it if you're not listening to on headphones you can very easily miss it but it's really really cool and it's an interesting song thematically and lyrically where he's talking about this idea of becoming famous and being in the music industry and what that all means you know is it is it about almost like love or money you know is it for the love of the art or for the for the business or the commerce side of of the music industry, and it can become—you can get disillusioned when 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 you're when you're within the industry. One could imagine from listening to a song like this. So,
2: just thought it's um it's kind of like Californication, isn't it? The same sort of theme.
3: Yeah, yeah, very interesting reference. Yeah, or comparison actually, Tojo. And it's um it's just a funky ride again. You know, three minutes worth of funk. But I agree with Captain. It's just a bit too they just redline it too much. You know, everything's in the red. Everything's really bright and trebly. I think it detracts from the song. A better, a better master or even, dare I say, mix would be would be nice to hear. Uh, player,
0: yeah,
1: I agree. It's funky as all hell. Um, I love in the verses how it breaks down to just the kick drum, hi hat, and the chicken grease. It's kind of got the vibe and sound that D'Angelo adopts these days. And then, like what Captain said, when the chorus kicks in, it just picks up and really blasts, you know, blasts your head off. And I agree, the lyrics are interesting too about addiction and vices and friends and family and loneliness. And apparently it's based on um, Paul Peterson's departure from the family. It's sort of inspired by that. But, um, you know, it's just a great story and insight on how he sees things from his perspective on these subjects and puts them into a song. So, I like the track, but I do agree with um, you guys about sort of the, the way it's mixed and how it sort of picks up in the in the chorus there and it's really sort of shouty, yeah.
3: Actually, the, you just made me think, player, it's possible that that was done intentionally because when you think about it, the verses are quite... They're really quiet. They're, like, toned down and subdued. It's almost like, you know, when you're at a party, when you compare being at a party yeah, to yeah. being at work the next day? Yeah. It's like being at a party in the in the nighttime is like listening to the chorus of Dream Factory, and going, going to work the next day, day or just living your life <laughs> <laughs> is like the verses of, of the song Dream Factory. So, maybe that, that's an intentional...
0: It could be yeah, meant to be like that.
3: You know, musical um, idea. And it kind of would make sense when you think about the Dream Factory being this. It's like a, a machine, you know, the music making hit machine. Mm. With, with sex, drugs, and rock and roll. thats It's, the, the, yeah. that, you know.
0: it's Dream Factory, but Prince, th- around this era, he was the song factory. Yeah. <laughs> he was just churning <laughs> the hit, them out. The hit
3: factory, that's right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this song says a lot about, uh, a lot in three minutes, doesn't it? So, uh, it's it's definitely an intriguing listen. Tojen, what are your thoughts? I
2: love the song. I think it's probably the, my second favorite song on the whole three discs.
3: Wow. Yes, yeah, it's,
2: it's Funky Groove. Uh, really interesting chords as well. I tried to work out some of it, and it's freaking hard. <laughs> I Love the clean, the clean guitar all the way through. There's just really interesting voicings going on in the guitar, and uh, really interesting little what do you call it? Like little arpeggios going on throughout it. I love the synth hook. It's very Sonic the Hedgehog-y uh, and it gives it that sort of you know Sonic the Hedgehog in in yeah in Factory Land you know sort of feel. The thing about the verses, there's three vocals going on in the verses: the bass vocal, the falsetto, and the sped up one. It's interesting that the actual chorus, the actual bit of the "This is what it's like in the Dream Factory." That's that's really a turnaround from the end of each verse, and then the actual chorus part is just sort of an instrumental bit where it's just jamming out, mm. with Prince going "Oh yeah" oh, and, and "La la 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 la," all this sort of stuff. So the actual chorus is more of an instrumental bit. The actual call out to the Dream Factory is like the turnaround out of the vo- out of the verse. Interesting. Mm. Just yeah, really interesting lyrics all the way through the the chills and spills and. I like towards the end how you hear, thought, I'm guessing it's Wendy and Lisa, like just whispering, you're just a sucker, you're just a sucker. Just, it's almost like this person is coming to this realization that, you know, he's just a product of, of this industry. I like the sort of discordant synth sounds as it goes to that bridgey bit, I guess you'd call it, where he's like, I can't make up my mind, and there's these really crazy distorted synth sustained notes. Uh, and I had the same thing, the, the bass in the last 10 seconds is kick ass. And I agree with everyone else, the mastering is kind of crappy on this whole album, and this song, this is probably the song that suffers from it the most, I think. Just because of that, it is, it, it is a bit shouty. But yeah, this is a great track, probably one of my favourite of uh, that sort of era, that 85, 86 era. Uh, and it's cool too in that the title Dream Factory was, obviously has a meaning in the song in that it's like a, you know This person's illusion kind of thing But then it's a, such a cool title for an album as well Which was obviously there was a planned project Where it was going to be called the album And so as an album title it's a cool title as well So that's cool
3: And that's all I got Awesome Alright so let's move on from one of ToeJam's favourite songs To one of D'Angelo's favourite songs Track number 8 Star
0: I'm a movie star See myself, fall,
3: see screen. All right, who wants a hand at this? I'm thinking <laughs> Captain. <laughs>
0: Whoa, why would you think that? I don't know. Okay, first of all, the Jam of the Year intro. Yeah. I just want to punch him.
2: Who would have thought that Jam of the Year was all the way back from 1987?
0: <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. Oh, it just grates me every time cuz I know it's just tacked on there for whatever reason, just cuz that yeah. was his latest cool track and he wanted it in the background there. And you'll never oh. be
2: able to edit it out on your own mix. It'll always it's... sort of you'll always catch the second of it or something. Yep.
0: <laughs> anyway, apart from that, another, you know, the classic, probably one of the most bootleg tracks from the 80s right here, recorded March 86, was originally going to be on the Dream Factory album but very sadly, that never happened. I'm still waiting for that one. That could come out. This is, I think, one of the best examples of his sense of humor coming you know, straight through the music and out the speakers. I don't know how you can listen to this song and not laugh or at least smile, even if it's the 400th time you listen to it. The lyrics are just hilarious. I'm not going to go through them because I could just read the entire song, but everyone knows, knows them all anyway. It's got that very weird but very memorable lead line. It's just a cool little thing. I love the cool bass and drum part, 211 to 224. Now, in the liner notes for this album, it says this was written for the time, but I think the time had already broken up when this was written. So, I, c- I get the Morris Day vibe. You could easily imagine Morris doing this track, but it-, it suits Prince even better, I think. And outro, classic outro, which was Toe Jam's intro. That's it.
3: All right, good stuff.
1: Uh, player. I love this song, it's hilarious. I agree with Captain, it sounds like something Morris Day would sing would have been perfect for him and that's not to say that this is not suited to Prince. When I think of this song I think of the Christopher Tracy character in Under the Cherry Moon just sort of clowning around with Jerome and stuff. Again it's Prince's humour coming through. Like you said the music starts off with Gemini bassline mixed in Under the Crowd Noise. Uh, just another example of how Prince touched up these recordings from the originals. The music's kind of light and breezy, but still has the funky embellishments, especially from the keys and the synths. And also, too, I also like when Miles covered this track in his live shows. And I know the hardcore Miles fans aren't Crash hot in his 80s output, but I love 80s Miles. Like, you know, he was leaning towards more funk stylings and playing Oberheims on stage and all that sort of stuff. So I really like the fact that he had the (coughs) instrumental version of this uh, movie star in his shows. (coughs) So I like Prince's version, I like Miles' take on it. It's really cool.
3: All right, all right, all right. Let's see what Toy Jam thinks of this song, movie star.
1: Yeah,
0: this is a
2: cartoon. This is an 80s, <laughs> well, it's 80s funk mixed with, you know, Warner Brothers cartoon. It's all the car screeches, sound effects, cool stuff. I love the lead line. The lead line's da-da-da-da-da-da-da, but then he's also got like these out of tune notes that sort of play along with it, which just adds to the humor. And you got the synth flute that's just sort of playing on these little solo, solo lines all the way through. Just really cool stuff. I was listening to it today and I thought, this is kind of the, the precursor to Party Man. You know, there's that one little bit where it has that walking little bass line. I thought, oh, that's like pretty similar to Party Man.
3: Yeah. You can definitely. Um, same that.
2: same sort of vibe. My favorite bit is the the joint was hopping part, you know, when he gets up and mm-hmm. does the splits and everyone's looking around and, and then it's like, everybody say movie star. And then the, <laughs> these real plastic horns. Rrap, rap, 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 rap. Yeah, it's just total, total comedy at that point. Like it's like I imagine this character. It's like he thinks he's the shit, but it's really just these plastic horns like backing him up. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I love the argument. You know, what do you call it? Pack a rabbit or something? And-
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, Dan- <laughs>
1: that's dog.
0: The best yeah. part of that whole thing is the last line where he says, "Dance floor's not big enough, fat cow." <laughs> that's yeah, the best thing. <laughs> that's the best thing. That's the best thing in all song. <laughs>
2: And uh, you know, and it's about the mix too. We were just talking about that. It's about the mix. Oh, the mix. Yeah. Just real funky stuff. There's like a little clav as well. Budda bum. a bone. Just again, he's just funking it up as much as possible, but in the most comedic comic uh, kind of way, cartoon way. And again you've got all that, you know, he's gonna shout everyone the drinks, but oh, oh wait a minute, he has to borrow money for Thomas Bill. Yeah. <laughs> so I just love that. It's like you know, it's this guy who thinks he's a shit, but he's not. <laughs> so yeah, hey. classic, classic track. So I'm, I'm guessing Prince must have officially given this to Miles because obviously they were sort of collaborating a bit here and there. Miles and asked
1: for it apparently.
2: Yeah, hmm. yeah, he was asking for a song and he gave it a movie star. It's pretty funny because the movie star is the last song you think
3: Miles would cover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Strange sense of humor these guys have. Yeah, but but it's it's interesting you say that, jam You know, about not only is it strange that Miles would cover this. But it, it's just a strange song even for Prince to come out with. I know he says it was written for the time and all that, but how often do you hear him being so flippant with his comedy? Very rarely. Mm. I mean, every time this song comes on, you know, my ears perk up, but it's like, oh, yeah, Prince is really... He's hes funny all over this track. And it's so lighthearted uh, that it, I think it's unique because of that. And, and the storytelling is cool. Uh, I think more Christopher Tracy than Morris Day, actually. And... You know that's the thematic side. The musical side is a cool mix of drums between normal drum and the LM, uh, you know, the the Lin drum programming. Absolute classic on, on, in all areas. Prince in a cheeky mood, very eighty sounding, very lame eighty sounding, but in a good way if that makes sense. And and as Captain said, it makes you makes you laugh, makes me smile always when I listen to this. You can't you can't not sh- you know shake your stuff to this song, but in a in a really cheesy way it's like cheese ball funk prince style and it's it just um, needs
0: it just needs larry on the back <laughs> <laughs> yeah
3: and that would take it over the top wouldn't it but yeah movie star from 1986 you just can't go wrong can you and still in 1986 obviously let's go to the next track track number nine. Oh yes good love I'm just going to butt in quickly and say something here. This is, I think, aside from an honest man, the weakest track on this album. No, it's not my favorite on this record. No, by any stretch.
0: Hey, you're off the show.
3: Yeah, off show. Yep, you're off the show. Yeah, you're You it, are it, off. This this reeks of terrible late '80s sounds, terrible no. late '80s productions, oh and and all those sappy '80s parties and. It's way too sugary for me. It yeah, almost Josh, sounds like man. Kylie Minogue or Banana Rama oh, or no. Maybe oh. maybe well it is you're, a little far is a little okay, fine. The banana rama was a little bit off. Kylie Kylie could do this. Like she could at least sing over it. Alright, the music's funky, I'll give it that. But oh. it's it's not as funky as sexual suicide or yes, it make is. your mama happy or anything. Yes that it stuff. is no way it is. Yeah. Uh, Oh, this sounds like something Wendy and Lisa would put out on one of their albums And I think for them it'd fit But man, his vocal just comes across so light and sappy and, and lame uh, take, it away, it. Oh, <laughs> take it away, boys
1: Take it away Play this would have to be easily in my top 10 Prince tracks of all time. Oh, get out of it. You're off to a show. You're taking a too fast, <laughs> <laughs> Like, it just opens up and explodes out of your speakers. It really comes alive. It's a straight pop masterpiece. The groove bounces and bubbles along. You've got Everybody's the Camille vocal. A
3: brand new dance no.
1: <laughs> no, man. It's not like emotion. This is good love. <laughs> 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 it, like, it, it just fits in with the whole love sexy concept. And, I, like... You know, it ended up on the Bright Lights soundtrack, and that came out in 88, and I associate this with 88, even though it was recorded in 86 and all that. Like, you know, the only thing that I don't like about its appearance on here is the fact that it's an edit. You know, like, the, you cut yeah. it down for this release. But aside from that, I love this song. I never get tired of it. Like, I can always put it on. I know that I'm going to get, like, whatever mood I'm in, I'm going to pick myself up out of it. Like, it's, it's a really cool song. Wow. <laughs> hey, I'm not the only one. Take it away, Captain.
3: Wow. Well, we can. Well, well, let's give Toy Gemma a go because Captain's going to have a lot to say about this. I think right. I'm
2: in the middle here. I think I'm in the middle here. Uh, I wouldn't put it in my top ten at all. But it's it is a pretty cool song. I can kind of hear what MC's saying with the sort of banana ramus thing. Do I even but know me, you guys?
3: Do I? I don't even know you guys anymore. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but to me, it's like it's it's that sound but on steroids. Like there's so much background stuff going on. I agree with Player that it's it, it sort of sounds more love sexy than Sign of the Times. And the production kind of reminds me, I don't know why, but I think it's just the drum sound, kind of reminds me of that song, She Drives Me Crazy. Do you remember that song? Oh, yeah. Who does that?
3: Oh, uh, Fine, uh, Fine Young Cannibals.
2: Cannibals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, the drums sound like the same sort of drum sound to that. What about the synth? The
3: synth line sounds like Milli Vanilli. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, my.
2: Oh, you're going too far, MC. Uh. I love the Gustav Mahler references, and um, I really like the music when it sings the, you know, Cherry Pie, Apple Kisses. You know, Everything music,
0: is cool. Oh, man. Yeah, music changes
2: there. It's, it's cool. Awesome. It's very la la la, he he he. You know, it's yeah. got all. It's mm. the last. Come on, MC. The, the jam cheese. out. The jam out from three minutes thirty-three. The last part of the song. That's it,
3: funky. It, it almost jams out. it almost makes up for it, but it's just way too. It's sweet. very. It's very Alphabet Street. That's it. It's like you've a, got the, it's like you've got the dog sounds. Of, so this song is the, the musical equivalent of sherbet. It sounds oh. like a good idea. It sounds like a good idea until you put sherbet in your mouth and then you realize I shouldn't have wasted my my 50 cents on this.
1: Guys, guys I'll tell you exactly what's going to happen. He's going to rubbish this song like he just has. The next Prince party, he'll be on the dance floor raving about this track like he did at the last Prince party. Player, I've never <laughs> been... I, I, love, I've never, I love this song. Player, player, tell me how you want to be done. Player, you know exactly. me well, and
3: I've never been on a dance floor dancing <laughs> to Prince
1: music, so I don't know what you're talking about, right? I'll see you on the dance floor with this track, bro. I'll see you there. Again. Again. <laughs> I'll see you there.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, that, that jam had to learn at the end. Cool, that whole, take it away Gustav, I forget what he says, but you yeah, know, yeah, sort you of shouts out right. to Gustav, and then there's this weird
1: yeah.
2: vocal synth thing going on, like bubbles just popping around, it's awesome.
3: No, this is fantastic guys, you, you, you're obviously all on the purple Kool-Aid, and least, I'm not <laughs> least of which Captain, I'm sure he's been, you know, high on the stuff all day. Captain, this is a great track, isn't it?
0: I'm the only one with a purple Kool-Aid shirt, so, <laughs> this track is Unbelievable.
3: It is, yeah. It is unbelievable that anyone would record something like this and put it out on an album.
0: Oh, you say that to his face. This track, previously released on Bright Lights, Big City soundtrack, starring Michael J. Fox, who is great as well. Uh, It's a slightly different edit, but this soundtrack was long out of print, so it was a good choice, as most people wouldn't have ever heard this song. Also recorded August 86, this is a Camille track. It's Camille voice... It was originally planned to be on the actual Camille album, but then they got scrapped, and then it was going to be on the Crystal Ball album, and that was cut down to Sight the Times, and it got cut then.
3: And then it was going to be on Sesame Street, but they, oh, they didn't up. want it on the show. Uh... I, don't,
0: I don't know. Sometimes I find the history of these tracks getting included on this album and that <coughs> album and then getting cut and then put somewhere else. I find that sometimes just as interesting as the songs. But um, the actual song, I love this song. First off, you've it's Camille straight away, so it's got to be funky. 57 seconds in, this is the coolest vocal ever. And this has got some great lyrics. Look, this song's even so good. I even listened to the lyrics, MC. That's how good this song is. Technicolor Junkie in a Funky Square. That What is that? That is excellent. Uh, it's a great vocal performance all the way through. I mean, Camille is super cool anyway, but some of the falsetto stuff is amazing as well. Uh, I love the breakdown at 2.12, and then the bit again at 3.37. Uh, instrumentally, it's very interesting, because it seems to be just drums and keyboards. I'm sure the bass is just a synth bass, and the rest is all just a mix of synths and keyboards. I don't don't hear any actual bass, I don't hear any guitar. This could have been, like, one of those tracks, like, uh, La 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 He He done on a bet. Oh, look what I can do with just drums and some keyboards. And you got the dog bark sample in there, makes an appearance uh, near the end, and there's a few other samples I recognize straight from some of the Madhouse stuff. This, uh... I wouldn't say it's in my top 10 Prince songs, but it's in the top, probably maybe top 25. It's, it's up there, absolutely. It is excellent.
3: <sighs> okay.
0: And I played this at the Prince party, because it's that good. Good work, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody mentioned what I said at the start of the show as my intro. I'll say it again now, but this is what it is. And usually, you know, what we say, it's a quote from something on the album, and this is my one. The penguin saw the cab driver, and he drives away into space. <laughs> Nobody even mentioned that totally retarded lyric, <laughs> which is on the album, and... I
3: have no idea what's going on.
0: <laughs> it's at the end of Good Love, which was a soundtrack, so I'm guessing yeah. that quote is somewhere in the movie. But it's a totally bizarre line, and... When I was listening back to it for the review, I realized I'd never even listened to it. As many times as I'd listened to Good Love, I've never heard what he said at the end. And I don't think it's Prince. It must be from the movie. But the penguin saw the cab driver as he drives away into space. (laughs) (laughs) It's just (laughs) (laughs) incredible.
3: Moving on to track number 10, the last track of our 80s.
0: Extravaganza. We're talking
3: about, yeah. It is the song crucial. Crucial. Baby, crucial. And I would like the four of us to review this track without making mention to that other track that we were all going to talk about. Uh-huh. I've got a theory. I've got a theory. That it's a- <laughs> I've got a theory that if. It wasn't compared to that other song in the liner notes of Crystal Ball that many of us wouldn't have even made such an obvious con- comparison, or at least not compared it so heavily to it. So, it's definitely
1: brother-sister. Yeah, I, see,
3: I don't know that it is. I don't know that it is. But like, well, why don't we go into it? Why don't we go into it and see what everyone has to say about it? That's us The track is crucial, and we're about to review it. Mr. Toe Jam.
2: Um, I only really, re- like, discovered this song this week, I think. Like, I've always, I've heard it and i would liked it, and i would always thought, oh, yeah, it's just, <clears throat> part two. <laughs> but, and, like, listening to it this week for this review, I, like, I don't think I'd really sat down and listened to it on headphones properly for, probably since, I don't know, 2003 or something where I got this album. And I, I'm blown away by this song. This is an amazing song. And it's amazing that it didn't get released at the time. Uh, the vocals are brilliant. The guitar solo at the end is brilliant. Um, the arrangement all the way through is just brilliant. I wish I had more to say about it. Uh, it's actually really nice to use of reverb as well. Just open, Everything's really open and spacious. They're the, the just the crucial chorus where you know it just opens up everything and you've got some interesting little background stuff going on, little Larry Graham octave bass stuff in the second pre-chorus, something I wrote down. But I started listening to this and I started thinking, and I was thinking of Crystal Ball as well when I was writing this, but I, I started to think, Prince has got to be like the closest thing to like a, like you listen to some like classical composers, composers from like two or three hundred years ago, or even like, you know, Stravinsky, uh, these kind of people that, where the arrangement is just completely insane and over the top. And you think, wow, this person must have spent like a year putting this song together kind of thing. And some of the arrangement in this, it just gives you that same feeling. I mean, like Prince has to be like the greatest pop arranger, or like not the pop, but like that 80s pop funk uh, like arranger i mean like he's the the best
0: arranger of prince music (laughs) i'll give him that but i mean like
2: (laughs) the arrangement is spectacular like there's so many little intricate things and it it sounds like i'm sure it didn't but it sounds like the kind of thing that if i was trying to write this this would take me like a year like working you know five days a week working six hours a day for a year just to come up with like an arrangement that sounds so seamless but it's so intricate as well uh it's just it's just amazing great song uh, I wish more people knew about it outside the Prince community. And it's just amazing, isn't it? I think
3: That's all it I have is. to say. <laughs> I agree with you, ToeJam. And just quickly to add on to what you're saying, because you mentioned something that I was going through, is the arrangement is the highlight, isn't it? It's like this composition stands alone musically incredibly strong, but it sounds like, to me, it sounds like one of your dream songs, Toe jam It's like yeah. the way it comes in and then... And then just delivers the goods, and then just fades it fades away. It's like this. It almost takes you to some magical, far far away place where the gods are, you know, mixing together all of these seamless musical elements. But yeah, you look. You're right. It is. It's stunning. Um, and to me, it. I always think of this as a dreamy soundscape with an incredible falsetto performance, very strong composition, like I said, and some really cool guitar work towards the end of it. It's a much maligned song, meaning it's been unfairly overlooked for many, many years and even to this day is, n- is n- very rarely spoken about even in hardcore Prince circles as an incredible song, possibly because he's got so much material, but it would be great to hear this, I think, in a symphonic context. You know, the likes of Crystal Ball and Crucial. These are songs that I think would benefit from having a, a live orchestra behind them. And we've spoken about this before. Sydney Opera House is the venue. We just need a date and we need uh, confirmation that Prince will be there to conduct the um, musicians <laughs> and deliver on the goods. But very strong song and an oral masterpiece. Can I say that? A-U-R-A-L. Uh,
1: <laughs> player. Oh my god, I love this song. I know it's from '86, but for whatever reason, I think of it as '88 when I hear this song. I think it was maybe even an early inclusion on Love Sexy or something. It would totally fit on there. It kind of recalls a bit of Pink Cashmere to a lesser degree, but it's just a really cool ballad. And you know, I love the sitar melody in the chorus and the guitar underlying the majority of the track all the way through. Just really nice stuff. Also, lyrically, it's really nice sentiment. Maybe not as strong as Home Run as maybe Way door comes across in some of the times, which is what this was stitched for in favor of, but still a nice laid-back, soulful pop ballad. I think um, maybe a little bit too much reverb on his vocal, but it's a minor complaint on an awesome song. It's, it's um, fantastic.
3: All right, we're three from three at the moment. Let's see how Captain closes off this review. Crucial.
0: Are you ready for me to talk?
3: Yes, we are. <laughs>
0: This is one of my favorite tracks on this entire album. Yay. And what? A a ballad, you say? Yes, when it's as good as this. Absolutely. Hmm. I am not going to not mention Adore. This is up there with Adore as one of the great ballads. It was only recorded a few months before Adore. This actually came first. He was just killing it in, you know, songwriting and the performance and the arranging, everything. It was just everything was right and it all came into these songs. It's just crazy. I don't know what to say. This song is so smooth. That's the best word for this song. I love the intro from, just from the guitar at the start, straight into the amazing falsetto. It's never sounded better. Backing vocals are spot on all the way through. There's all these, the trademark sounds that are on many Sign of the Times tracks, including Adore, they're on here as well. I love the La 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 parts, 146 to 153. His vocals when he says, baby, tonight don't hold nothing back, 205 to 210, that is just excellent. (laughs) Uh, There's some great lyrics on here as well. Just one look from you could make an army surrender. Come on. What a bloody line. What a line that is. Smooth is the only word for this. It's just crazy. I've, I've what have you, you
3: done? What have you done with Captain? <laughs> and bring him back.
0: <laughs> exactly. I've heard some of you use this sort of description in the past, and I couldn't remember which song it was about, and I never really understood it. But this song is like dripping honey or something. It's just so smooth. It's crazy. There's some cool things though. There's this really cool little digital like synth sounds in the breakdown at 3:29. Goes for about 20 seconds. It's super cool for 1987 to have something like that in there. And in a big ballad as well, these weird little digital sounds. It's crazy. Then you've got the absolute screaming guitar solo, Kicks Off 420. And thank God there's a guitar solo because, you know, I would have said, how could you do a track like this and not have a guitar solo on the end of it? So in many ways, this is one of my favorite ballads of his of all time because it has a guitar solo as well, and it's a great guitar solo. The only thing is, it fades out. Guitar solo could go so many other places. Now, the, the rumor is there's a full version out there, and it's over seven minutes long. And so that's at least two more minutes of guitar solo I'm missing out on. Maybe one day we'll hear it. If you want to hear 10 seconds of absolute guitar perfection, go listen 4.46 to 4.56. That is just unbelievable. And also, while that guitar is going off, there's some really nice bass lines going on as well. This is absolutely amazing track. I already said that, and I'll say it again. It's one of his best ballads ever. It's up there with the door. So, there.
3: Wow. <laughs> Captain reviews a song and its lyrics. <laughs> I rest my case. This has been one the greatest lyric, Peach one- and Black episode ever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> one lyric, but incredible.
3: Okay. <laughs> wow. Fantastic. Fantastic roundup and uh yeah another another great show guys i think i mean 10 10 remarkably dynamic and entertaining songs to all our listeners i hope you found our review similarly dynamic and entertaining uh if not there's always next episode but uh yeah what a what an interesting release from the point of view of when it was released and the fact that most people haven't heard this material and lastly but not leastly how good it is right i mean toe jam mentioned it i think all of you mentioned it so many great songs that so many people haven't heard <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's a strange it's a strange uh, strange thing beast
0: it's conclusion time
3: all right well since i don't rate anything take it away guys <laughs> yeah
2: we can't really rate this because it's not really an album as we've presented it yeah, yeah. but um I'd just say, like, it's amazing that I actually think just listening to the 80s songs, you know, in order has given me a better appreciation for this material because it's really easy for it to just get lost among the whole crystal ball thing of just random songs. And so I wonder if, like, if this was an album from 1997, like, maybe you know, muck around with the track list, whatever, how would you guys rate it? I mean, to me, it'd be pretty well up there with, you know, Parade and Sign of the Times and Black Album. Maybe, maybe so. not as an yeah. album, but as just a, like, collection of songs it's
3: it's pretty amazing you can't beat them i think you're right i think the material on this is is as good as his 80s material which is to say it's as good yeah. as good as his best material isn't it yeah
2: well obviously i mean like you know chlorine bacon skin is a bit of fun really i wouldn't have that on an album mm.
3: like a single disc album yeah, but and then you've got as an, honest, a, an honest man, and good love is obviously a piss take, So, but uh, the other stuff, <laughs> the other stuff is top top shelf, top notch material, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, so if anyone
2: hasn't done it before, I'd encourage you to you know if you've got it on an iPod, start a little track list and put these songs as an as a playlist and, and play through them. And, See what you
0: think. Oh, I, I, can't, I can't get over what you said about good love. That's
2: <laughs> <laughs> I can't
3: get over the song itself. So
2: <laughs> you need to listen to it again, MC. I reckon you need, to, you need to give another
3: listen. You know what? I think I so. think I know what it is that bothers me the most, and it's the vocal, the vocal, and the background vocals. It's just
0: too. It's Camille.
3: And yeah, but it's not. Dirty Camille It's not sexy Camille it's, it's like
0: Camille in love
3: Yeah it's Camille I don't like Camille in love <laughs> uh, I like Camille when, when he or she Is down in the dumps <laughs> Or down Getting low down And dirty Low down and funky yeah. uh, <laughs> Good stuff Well I for one have to say That this was an enjoyable session Ladies and gentlemen I mean uh, gentlemen And uh, uh, Ladies I've got a lot to say uh, Listeners Oh captain Okay Summarize this this show for us
0: My main problem, which we touched on with this entire album, is that everything is blasted to the wall, almost to the point of distortion, to win the loudness more, which is such a pity since we waited so long for, you know, these tracks to escape from the vault and be in perfect quality.
1: Do you think that's because they're mixed in with the 90s stuff, like to to level everything out, to to just sort of make it sound more cohesive?
0: Possibly. That's then the only re- reason why I can think. down of the 90s stuff. Yeah. Don't just blast everything into the red. It just kills it. It was such a letdown that we waited so long for these tracks to come out in perfect quality, and then they were, like, almost distorted.
2: Well, yeah, this, this, and the Rave, this and Rave Unto the Joy Fantastic, just Master's not very good. I think yeah. they're the two worst. Hey, Jim Buff. <laughs>
0: This, not a conclusion for the entire set, but for these, you know, 80s tracks, I think it's a pretty good selection of tracks from the vault. You've got a bunch of great 80s outtakes, you've got a 15-minute jam, you've got a little acapella track, you've got a song which was on a soundtrack which no one's ever heard. I just wish he was in this headspace again to do something like this, but I just don't see it happening anytime soon. I'm sure I've talked about this before, but at the first celebration at Paisley Park, the year 2000, back in the olden days... There was a, a bunch of computers, I think they were Apple's, set up, and you could vote on the track list for Crystal Ball Volume 2. Two, yeah. Well, it's been 13 years, and I'm still waiting for that <laughs> release. It was so exciting back then that, first of all, he'd actually released tracks from the vault in the first place, even though he messed around with them a bit, but still. But even more exciting than that was that we would get Crystal Ball Volume 2, and we could choose from a list of tracks to compile it ourselves, that was such a nice thing to give fans that feeling of inclusion. empowerment.
1: Yeah. yeah. And then, and then, and then, how then did not you release it, it? ever. Yep, yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> not so nice to then never release it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. No, I really do miss being excited about what he's going to do next because he's basically ruled out releasing Volt tracks until he's left this earth. He's ruled out putting out an album not that long ago, but we'll see how long he can stick to that. But then again, it wasn't that long ago we said. You know, digital music was evil, and the internet was dead. Now you can't go five seconds without crossing one of his websites. Um, Maybe I just need to get a life and stop waiting for him to do something exciting. Um, (laughs) I could keep talking for days about this, but this is just a whole other conversation. Do we even need to talk about details of the crystal ball fiasco? It's it's now the stuff of Prince legend. Everyone knows about it. I think it was just a disaster. It
1: It was a disaster. I think it was first announced in like. May of '97 is that right? Was, Sometime that in '97, yeah. And then then something happened, and then it was like Christmas '97, and then something happened again, and because
0: everyone was on the mailing list,
1: right? And then and yeah.
0: then I remember there That's was my history. I remember he said he's not well, we'll releasing we'll it until he gets a hundred
1: thousand, hundred thousand orders.
0: Yep, hundred thousand pre-orders. See, so y- and I, I remember seeing. I remember seeing like, you know, Paisley News, NPG News, whatever it was back then. It's like, we're up to 84,000. I remember reading that and I'm like, oh, it's coming, it's coming. Mm. And so everyone saw, you know, was on the list and people paid their money. And, you know, because we got in first, we were going to get the special, the five disc with, with, you know, with all the goodies, with the with the truth and Karma Sutra and... Packaging and yeah. all Again, it came yeah. in the hockey puck. It was originally going to come in an actual crystal ball. That's right which I guess they figured was just too hard, so they gave up on that. <laughs> I got a T-shirt. The, the, I got the T-shirt as well, which I thought was pretty cool. That is good.
2: You know what's really good funny enough. about this? Because I didn't become a fan until probably, probably around that time, but I, wasn't, I didn't know about this whole what was going on. Uh, and so, for me, I, I, just found it in a, I just found it in HMV one day. I was like, oh, what's this? Oh, this is it's a Prince album I didn't even knew it existed. And I picked it up
1: and took it well, that home. Was and, the real insult to injury with the whole thing was that it got released to retail first. So all the all the fans did these pre-orders, but then it came yeah. out on in, in retail. And yeah, so, that was
0: that was where the whole fiasco, yeah. you know, had it got its name. Is everyone had signed up for the pre-orders and you know paid their money, and then it was turning up in shops before people who pre-ordered it have even received it. Yeah, and that people doesn't were,
2: sound like Prince.
0: <laughs> exactly, <laughs> he was just setting things up for the future. This is how it's going to be. <laughs> But it was just a, a horrible thing. And there were, I, I remember reading these updates like in the, on the website. And it's like, you know, you can ring up the, the number and talk to the people. They're doing their best, but you might have to wait a long time to be connected, but don't worry. You'll talk to them eventually. <laughs> and it was just, you know, damage control for months and months and months. And like six months later, some people still hadn't received it at all. Mm. Some people probably still haven't received it now.
1: I think I think and on water- the other
0: hand some people received it who never even ordered it. <laughs> <laughs> it was, just, it was the, the definition of fiasco. It was just unbelievable the things that went on. I, it was a classic time to be a fan. Billy think-
2: really, Joe, did you did you order a crystal ball? <laughs> 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 Someone here is saying you got a crystal ball. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think oh. what it was—it was, it was a, a very big learning curve in e-commerce for Prince. Oh yeah, because like it was—you know—the internet was still in its infancy. It was really his first internet release. yeah. And but like, did you know, he say like
2: somewhere? He, he said somewhere he made a killing off it because if he's if he's got pre-orders of a hundred thousand and he's getting basically top dollar for it, like basically what eighty percent of the profit. Do you remember from how much it yeah.
0: was, or was? He would like have made a, a killing s- off it. I think oh, yeah. it was maybe 70 bucks. I can't remember now.
2: Yeah. So, if he's getting if he, if he's getting 50% of that and 100,000 pre-orders, not let alone... A lot of money. Yeah. He would have made a killing off it.
1: But see, the thing is, is like he, he left Warners and then he just... You know, Emancipation was sort of handled by EMI. But this was the first thing that was... Everything was coming out of Paisley Park. So, he was making the music plus marketing it and distributing it. And so, it was like the very first time that he was doing like it all himself, basically. So... You know, sure there'll be teething problems, but it was it was it just sort of really went like
0: everything that could go yeah, wrong did go did. wrong. Yeah, and I, remember, I, sort of, I, I sort of feel bad for
1: him for that, but you know, when it went wrong, it went spectacularly wrong. So, but
2: he that, won a Webby nice. award for it for being the first person to uh, pioneer, pioneer yeah. yeah, pioneer, the first person to really promote yeah. a, a new original album exclusively on the internet.
0: I remember another post on the on the, the Paisley News, and it was something like our our people were were doing 350 to 400 orders getting posted out per day, and I'm like, that's not a lot. If you've got a hundred thousand to send out, how long is that going to take? It just it seemed like a very small number compared to what was meant to be going out. I just remember reading that, and I'm like, that's not a lot, <laughs> but it was it was a classic classic fiasco. <laughs> Anything else to say about it?
2: It is really interesting the fact that really the whole Crystal Ball project it's either from it's either remixes or it's, 80, five, 85, 86, 86, 87,
0: 93, or it's 94.
2: yeah there's nothing from that really early period there's nothing mm. from uh, the sort of Graffiti Bridge Diamonds and Pearls nothing from that mm. Mm. Uh, interesting yeah nothing well, was- there was nothing like he didn't even have any oh maybe Goodbye was probably the most recent song but even that was a couple of years old
1: yeah.
0: Well, you know but what? You could say that those these two eras, like the 86, 87, and then 93, 94, in my mind, they were his two most prolific eras. Yeah. So that's when he was writing loads of songs and he couldn't get them out fast enough. They just sat in the vault. He thought they were great, and this was his chance to get get them out.
1: Hmm. I I sort of envisioned him like spending a couple of months just sitting in the vault, just going through songs, because... You know, the next album really that came out was, um, Rave, which is another Vault track. I think, you know, he may have, like, it may
2: have, that may have inspired him to.
1: Yeah, he may have come across Rave, intended it for this, this project, and just thought, oh, actually, I might, I might hold on to this and do an album around this and sort of set that aside and gone through and picked out all these other songs, put it on this, and then, you know, send it the next project around that.
0: Interesting. Also,
1: yeah, Splash,
2: a big- Splash was re- released around this time on the internet. Yeah. It, was like a, it was one of the first ones he put out on the internet, I think, wasn't
1: it?
0: Yeah. Well, that's a whole other thing to talk about, is why there aren't any revolution tracks on Crystal Ball. Is because there was going to be the Roadhouse Garden album, which was the revolution album of outtakes, which never happened. Okay. Just like Crystal Ball Volume 2 never happened. That's why there's no revolution tracks on here.
2: In fact, revolution, revolution.
0: Oh, yeah, one, yeah. one or yeah. two.
1: And there was, um, also when the website was called MPG Online Limited or whatever it was called, there was like a, a section on there was called like Prince of uh, the Question. It wasn't Prince because he was known as a symbol. Then it was like Question of the Week. And there was something mm. about, um, a greatest hits Madhouse as well. So, you know, he might have been going through the vault, like looking at all these old songs, Madhouse, you know, Rave, everything that's ended up on this. So, you yeah, know, it makes like you, you wonder if... garden. Because by that stage, he was pretty well
2: well and truly, you know, out of the industry. Well, in terms of he's no longer with Warner Brothers. He's no longer with EMI. So, it's like, well, okay. You know, I can see him, like, sort of, now I can actually look through these songs and release them how I want to release them.
0: Yeah. Just going back to one thing you said before, Tajam, you said he made a killing on this. Of course he did. Of course he made a killing on Crystal Ball. He got all that money. You know, everything was already recorded. You know, the remixes were probably already done by Kirky J or whoever did them. I reckon he could have done, got this whole thing, album compiled and pressed, not pressed, yeah. but done in a couple of weeks. Yeah. You know, a month. A month he could have done the whole thing. Just he picked probably, all the tracks, did yeah. an order, done. So, you know, minimal amount of time, minimal amount of effort, huge reward. Of course he made a killing on it. Mm. Easy money. Do it minimal, again.
3: Minimal amount of time, minimal amount of effort, huge reward. That sounds like a and Black show to me, doesn't it?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh. I can... Um, Give you the 80s rundown of the greatest Prince of all time from Crystal Ball, The Hmm. Order. Okay. Okay, so, and this is in order from highest rated to lowest ranking, right? So, Crystal Ball was 49. Crucial came in at 131. (laughs) Next was, now, hold your seat, MC. Good love at 160. Oh, you're kidding. Dream Factory, 169. Movie Star, 189. (laughs) What? Last Heart, 193. Sexual Suicide, 212. Gee. Chlorine Bacon Skin, 302. Ooh. An Honest Man, 394. And yep. Make Your Mama Happy, 421. Gee. Wow. Make Your Mama Happy really gets a bad rap, doesn't it? Yeah. It's
0: I can't like... believe an Honest Man beat Make Your Mama Happy.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. That's, that's saying something. I don't know what, though. Food for thought, listeners.
0: So, next, we've got the 90s, pretty much. We'll get to that one. There you go. Do we have any shout-outs? Are we done? Larry Graham. Oh, yeah. Larry Graham is coming to Australia, April 2014. The basement in Sydney. Sydney.
1: And Melbourne in the corner.
0: The corner in Melbourne. Yep. Oh, Blues Fest. Yep. We will be there.
1: At Sydney. We'll be there at Sydney to touch the base.
0: We are going to touch Larry's base (laughs) <laughs> it's
3: not what it sounds like. French. We're just actually gonna touch Larry's face. It's really gonna be his mustache.
0: <laughs> we'll be waving the towel. I mean it's it's, it's it's a it's a it's a still in the future, but I'm getting excited already. It's gonna like, be good.
3: If I had a crystal ball, I'd say he'd be here around April.
0: My wish is that he plays pal. I know he hasn't played. I'm up. not
3: going. If either if it's not on the set list I won't be there. <laughs>
0: I don't think he plays it live now or any time recently, but he has to play it. It's all right. We'll set up
1: an online petition. Barry has to play power in Sydney.
0: Oh, <laughs> it would be the best thing ever. All right. <laughs> so, any shout-outs? No? Anybody? Shout-out to Michael B. Nelson. Again. <laughs> <This> <laughs> I keep doing choice. that because MC started, did it one show and he's like, oh, you know who you are. And then, so then I started doing <laughs> I don't know why.
3: And with that, folks, good night. I've got to go. This has been the Peach and Black Show. We will never stop making these podcasts. We're going to be around forever. (laughs) So keep listening. Keep listening to us and keep enjoying us. Thanks for all the fan mail.